This is the Actors Diet Podcast, episode number 19. I'm Lynn Chen, and today my guest is Eddie Lin, who you may know as the Deep End Diner. That's how I first discovered him, listening to him talk about his crazy food adventures on KCRW's Good Food. He does a lot of stuff. He's a writer for LA Magazine and various other notable publications. He is often on TV. I actually just saw him on Eden Grishpan, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, Eden Grishpan. Uh, she has a show on the cooking channel called Log On Eat. Log On and Eat is what it's called. And he was on it with his co-host of the YouTube show Kamikaze Kitchen, which we will discuss. We talk about a lot of things on this episode that perhaps my more sensitive animal rights activists would not want to hear, but he actually also gives a shout out to a good vegan place, so I guess it all balances out. Anyway, enjoy episode number 19 with Eddie Lin, the Deep End Diner. So we're going to start with what you are doing now. What's what's happening in your life now? Well, the most exciting thing that's happened within the last uh, probably six months is all the um, media attention uh, we've been getting for Kamikaze Kitchen, which is my YouTube show. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I say we, I mean my co-host and I, my co-host Valentino Herrera. Mm-hmm. And he has a food blog called Trippy Food. And we're both weird food foodies. <laughs> So, you know, meaning we will pretty much eat anything. Um, So we came up with this YouTube uh, concept where we basically just ambush chefs in their own restaurants with a weird ingredient in a paper bag that has a big question mark on it. So it's really simple. We show up, we drop off this, you know, scary brown paper bag with a question mark on it. And uh, we, we... custom pick something that we feel they would find challenging some kind of ingredient they would find challenging so you know for example ricardo zarate he's a you know peruvian chef we wouldn't give him guinea pig because that is something a delicacy that's kind of a standard you know thing it's actually not even considered a delicacy there it's you know it's it's like comfort food right but we 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 gave that guinea pig to a Texan chef. Okay. Uh, at Upper West, his name's Nick Ship. So you know, they don't cook guinea pig. They they he's never even seen one. Uh, you know, in in that form. You know, without the fur and everything, it looks like a big rat. And that's what he was basically uh, yelling when when we revealed the ingredient he was like oh my god it's just it's a big rat you know and it and it is like teeth you know its teeth were still there yeah the teeth and everything wow. it's it was only skinned and uh-huh. gutted so there were no guts there was wasn't any fur and skin it was just like the, yeah the head was um, intact um, whatever tail you know so it's pretty much fully in its form where do you get a guinea pig well we have a guy. I like to say we have a guy, but our guy is actually uh, exoticmeatsmarket.net, and he supplies us 
with anything from guinea pig to alligator head to peacock to... How does peacock taste? Peacock is... Beautiful? <laughs> it's, it tastes colorful. <laughs> it's really colorful. It, it, uh, it, the closest I can associate it with is, uh, like pheasant or something, kind of a game bird. Yeah. You know, it's not very fatty, so it's not like a turkey or anything like that. It's, you know, pretty lean. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you gotta cook it for a while. Okay. For it to be good. Otherwise it's kind of sinewy, you know. Right. Okay, so Kamikaze Kitchen, which you can watch on YouTube now. Yeah. Um, and is Deep End Dining still happening? Yeah. So Deep End uh, Dining is how I actually first came to know you. Yes. Through your crazy, crazy <laughs> palate, listening to you talk about things like guinea pig and, fe- and, and not even pheasant, uh, peacock. Well, you weren't talking about peacock. I was probably but. talking about balut. <laughs> All sorts of meats that I had never <laughs> even imagined putting in my mouth, you did. Uh, so deep end dining is still an ongoing thing. Yeah, it's still ongoing. Thanks for reminding me because I got to po- uh, update. Uh, I have to, you know, post some new stuff because I've been kind of laxing, you know, um, because I've been so busy with uh, Kamikaze Kitchen mm-hmm. and with LA Magazine and, and, you know, KCRW, stuff like that. So, um yeah, you know, it's 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 what launched me is the blog back in two thousand four, mm-hmm. and next year it'll be ten years. Oh, what are you gonna do? What are you pandemic. What are you gonna eat? Something not crazy? <laughs> I know, so, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna eat a birthday cake, a sheet uh, cake. <laughs> right, I'm gonna eat spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> at Buco de Beppo. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I started Deep End Dining back then, and the whole intention was to. Create a food blog. Uh, I didn't even know what a blog was back then. Actually, you know, I don't it was really did. yeah, it was really new, right? Yeah. But I didn't didn't want to just be a generalist. I, I wanted to do exotic, extreme, weird. Um, so, because you know, I just found it more interesting. And I'm not really a cook, even though I can cook. I'm not like a chef or anything. So I wanted to explore kind of the the edgier cuisine. And so I did that. Um, and it immediately was a success. I got into the, um, the best food writing compilation in 2005, wow. uh, which includes uh, food writers like Jonathan Gold, Ruth Reichel, um, Anthony Wardane has been in it. So I was really honored you know, to be in that year's compilation. Um, and then LA Times and KCRW and uh, USA Today. I mean, I just got all this coverage. Well, back then there weren't many food bloggers, so we were kind of like this, kind of this novelty, you know. Right. And and like, what are these people? You know, they're not journalists, and they're not you know, whatever. I mean, you know, they're they're, they're doing this thing on their own, and and they're being critics, right? And and oh my gosh. You know, they actually can sort of write. So, you right. know, it, it was kind of this this uh, curiosity, you know. And so everyone was clamoring to get interviews with me. And, I mean, I got so much press. I used, you know, I still have a lot of the clippings. And, I mean, this isn't just, like, online mentions. This was back when people were still 
printing things. <laughs> yes, when you could pick up a paper and put in your yeah. hands. So it was just, it was a great time to be a blogger because there were fewer people doing it and we all knew each other. Oh, this is a trip. Uh, you know how they talk about blogger communities and, you know, nowadays, like in L.A., if you're a food blogger, you know all the other food bloggers in L.A. Mm-hmm. Well, back when I was doing it, <clears throat> in order to have a community, I had to reach out to people and other people had to reach out to me and stuff. From uh, We were in other states, other cities, New York, San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, even in, from Paris, um, you know, because there weren't many of us. Right. So that's how... We just connected. We're like, oh, there's another one. You know, we would find out about each other and link back and all that stuff. And so back then, uh, when the L.A. food blog community was just kind of starting out, there were probably a grand total of like 20 or 30 of us that we knew of. Uh And we would literally get together at each other's homes and have dinner parties because they, it was manageable. There was just so few of us. Yeah. You know, and it was just... Yeah, that would like, never happen. No, today. it's just impossible. <laughs> that would never happen. Yeah. I mean, no, now it is the only way we see each other is typically uh, at food events, you know, restaurant openings, things like that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then it's kind of a little reunion. But, um, yeah, back then, you know, there were there wasn't any PR inviting us out. You know, there weren't these big food festivals, you know, like today. So it's just crazy to see how much it's evolved and grown, you know, since I started. So when you were back in the heyday of when you were pioneering deep end dining, would you say that most of your meals were these crazy exotic meals? Yeah. Uh, yeah, everything was crazy and exotic. And you were just always doing it. Yeah, okay. that's that's what. And and the cool thing about it is the the thing the specific thing I selected um, is it generally inexpensive. Like uh-huh. you know, balut that's like a dollar. You know, uh, a bowl of noodles with tendon beef tendon in it at a Chinese restaurant that's in you know, like five six bucks. So it's it's you know thankfully I didn't decide to be a like uh, white tablecloth you know fine dining blogger because right. it would probably end pretty quickly you right. know um, so it was a great way to start and luckily all that stuff was relatively inexpensive but once I started doing it um, I, I just had no idea how much was out there you know I'm Were Chinese. people telling you yeah I okay. got I got tips definitely got some tips but mostly I was just exploring. I would just go and, and see a little interesting hole in the wall, whether it was like a South, El Salvadorian place or, uh, you know, uh, like around here, uh, we have a lot of different Asian places like, you know, Thai places, Filipino, um, Cambodian. I mean, we have all kinds of great stuff. And so it's not very hard for me to just cruise my neighborhood, you know, and find a little hole in the wall and find the most exotic thing on that menu, um, which... Usually it's just something that's very traditional. Mm -hmm. You know, I call it exotic or weird, but it's usually just a very traditional dish Mm -hmm. that that um, culture, you know, embraces and grew up on. Um, But, yeah, I was just seeking out, you know, the most authentic and strange that L.A., you know, had to offer. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty easy to find. 
Yeah, because you were just walking in and being... Were, were you just walking in looking at the menu and then being like, this is something I've never heard of and that's what I'm going to try? Or were yeah. you asking them? I, I would ask them too. Um, you know, Did anyone try to talk you out of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people... Uh, there, there, uh, there was a, a time I remember clearly in Koreatown. And it was the Prince restaurant. It's, it's a famous place. Yeah. Part of a historical hotel. A lot of... Uh, Things are shot there. Yeah, Little yeah. Girl, etc. Yeah, Mad ex- Men. Exactly. Mm-hmm, yeah. Really great location. It's a great location. And you would know. I'm sure you've shot stuff there. I haven't. I've eaten there, <coughs> but I bet I haven't eaten anything <laughs> crazy. Well, they <laughs> we were eating all vegetarian for Eve. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, Except for that fried chicken. <laughs> oh yeah, I know that. that that's really good. good. <laughs> it's really good. That, they're famous for that. Um, well, they were one of the few places back in 2005 um, that was rumored to have. Uh, Sanakji, which is live octopus tentacles. Oh. You know, they basically freshly lopped off tentacles of a, a baby small octopus. Um, and when I say small octopus, I mean, they're, they're still not that small. The, the tentacles can be um, probably six inches long, you know. At, yeah, the longest is about six inches. Mm-hmm. So um, what they would do is just chop off the tentacles and uh, serve them on a plate while they're fresh and writhing, okay? And it's simply seasoned with some sesame oil or something like that, you know, and some dipping sauces. So um, the prints, and, and these are really difficult to eat because they, the suction cups on the tentacles, they stick onto everything. So they're literally dragging the plate with it sometimes when you're trying to pull it off the plate. And then they're stuck to your lips and your tongue and your, you know, the roof of your mouth. Oh, my God. And every, your teeth, everything. I mean, it's like they don't want to go down right. easy. Right. Know. So they're like stuck on your esophagus. Well, you have to chew the hell out of it because right. people do die every year in Korea. Whoa. Yeah. It's, 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 it's actually uh, um, recorded. I mean, people die every year in Korea because this is a typically a pub, Korean pub food. Uh-huh. You usually drink alcohol which is not a great idea when you're eating this kind of thing right and so they don't they kind of shoot it and then what happens is it gets stuck in your throat like right perfectly stuck and you can't grab it out because it's too deep right. and you can't heimlich it out because it's suctioned stuck. so so you got to do a tracheotomy on the spot this is a movie <laughs> this is a horror movie like oh, it, actually, the movie Old Boy. There's, oh, a, there's they do? yeah, there's a there's an I've octopus. I've seen that. I forgot. Yeah, that. there's that scene where he tears apart that octopus. I wonder if the Spike octopus. Lee version will have that. Oh, they better have it because that was one of the that was one of the most famous scenes I in the film. I can't believe I can remember. You know what? I have a thing about uh, death by neck, like choking and yeah. and uh, vampires and stuff. So maybe I was like looking at my knees during that entire yeah, scene. and I blocked it out. It's pretty. Oh, wow. pretty crazy. Well, you know, back t- uh, to your question. Uh, um, so the prince, um, they were one of the few places to carry that. And, and we weren't even sure if they would have it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I ordered that. And, you know, he asked me, the waiter asked me, are you sure you want that? You know, and I'm like, yes, I, I, I came here specifically for it. But then there was another item on the menu called bundegi, which is uh, Korean silkworm pupae. Oh. And they're like little pods, right? So they're like... I didn't see that on the menu when I was there. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> or maybe it's a secret menu. Yeah, maybe it's a secret menu. So these these are little, they look like, basically like cockroaches without any legs. But okay. they're, they're not bugs yet. They're just these pods with bugs inside. 
you know, yet to be born, right? Because they're pupa, you know? And, um, and so they just saute them. And there's this watery sauce. I don't know what they're trying to disguise it with because nothing can disguise the, the flavor of this stuff. It, it, it's, um, to, to me, it, was, it tasted like a, a cockroach-infested apartment. Ooh, it's re- very buggy. That's not a good no, taste. No, I don't know why they eat it. But apparently, um, the story is, uh, my friend Valentino told me that uh, uh, in Korea... Uh, back in the old days, I don't know if it was North or South Korea, the, the women who are working in these silk factories are, are getting silk and they're just working nonstop for you know 12 hours, not taking any lunch breaks and stuff like that. And what they would do to nurse themselves is they would eat these mm-hmm. pupae. Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. It okay. started off as this like desperation food. Right. And then it turned into a delicacy, which which a lot of things do. A lot of these weird foods uh, kind of have that background, you know, right. from desperation. Like uh, in, in Cambodia during the, the, the killing fields, uh, when uh, a lot of the Cambodians were hiding in the forests and the mountains, um, they because they were so desperate for protein, they were eating uh, a tarantula. And uh, now tarantula is a, is a delicacy. They'll, they'll grill tarantula, you know, and there's an area in Cambodia uh, called, like, I think it's Tarantula Village or something, and, and they, tourists go there to eat tarantula. Have you? I haven't. Eaten? I haven't okay. been to Cambodia. Okay. I, so I haven't tried. Uh, well, actually, I, I had a chance. There, there's a famous bug chef who visits uh, the... Uh, Natural History Museum every year at, at their bug festival, and and he, uh, David Gordon something, uh, he uh, he cooks uh, tarantula as a demo every year, and I I try to you know get picked, and he always picks the little cute kids, <laughs> so I never get a chance to to try it. I but, can see you like raising your hands like, out of the way, ooh, child. Ooh, ooh, me, please. <laughs> but I, I I am guessing it's kind of like. Soft shell crab. That's what I hear. Hmm. It's like a, a yeah. soft shell crab. Oh, yeah. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see. Interesting. <laughs> well, well, so I, my, I'm curious as to whether, you know, like, I'm thinking about when I, I don't know, I ate a cricket recently. And I was <laughs> like, wow, I am really going off the deep end here. <laughs> um, but I I don't, I felt a little sick afterwards and then I'm, oh. you know, I, I don't know if I'll Where did eat. How did you eat this? It was Where in, did you it find was, this cricket? It was part of um, a, this new Lifetime show called Supermarket Superstar and uh-huh. their develop, a place, place called Sherp Farms is developing a, a, a cricket protein as a sustainable source of protein uh-huh. and it was in like a Rice Krispie. Okay, maybe it wasn't the cricket. It was probably the like 14 bites of like everything. Oh, and maybe it was those six slices of booze cake. But anyway, I didn't feel the greatest afterwards. And you know, the last thing I would want afterwards is probably to be like, oh, more cricket, please. Right. So I'm wondering, you eat all of these uh, crazy foods probably for the first time. Is there ever like something where you just sort of not feel so hot afterwards and probably don't go back to that or are you is your do you have a um, stomach of steel yeah yeah well i think i i am um blessed with a stomach that can handle a lot of stuff but i i i think it was from training i think my mom 
uh, she kind of inoculated me with, I mean, she, she was a little loopy. Uh, she, she would leave uh, a chicken stew on the pot overnight, uh-huh. out not refrigerated. Okay. And then all she would do is the next day heat it up to a boil and then serve it. Uh-huh. So, uh, My mom has done that before, too. Yeah, I think a lot of Chinese yeah. moms do that. Well, what, they're, what they may not realize is that overnight there could be all kinds of, you know, bacteria. Yeah forming and so then when the next day when they boil it they're killing all that bacteria and then we're ingesting it so it's kind of like the flu shot how they they when you get a flu shot you're getting the flu injected into you Mm -hmm. so your body has that so i think our stomach has these bacteria and when they enter our system it doesn't affect us at least not me right i get food poisoning very very rarely and the only times I really remember getting it is when I've eaten at certain fast food places. Uh-huh. Um, and really, nothing that I've eaten, uh, none of my extreme adventures have, have given me food poisoning. But I, I have had items that I wasn't particularly you know, into. Mm-hmm. I mean, they actually repulsed me pretty severely where I had to spit it out wow. um, and one of the uh, foods was uh, this um, it's a Mexican pig snout taco and I never tried pig snout at that point mm-hmm. and my it dog looks, loves it oh really but it's <laughs> but pig snout for a dog is dried right yeah. it's all dry well this one was extra extra slimy oh like super like snot. snotty looking <laughs> oh, God. and it was a challenge visually sometimes it's just a visual challenge right it was ju- did it come with the condiments on top yeah it came okay. with it came with lettuce and and tomato and and salsa and, and it was in a fairly big uh, corn tortilla but it was super slimy and gelatinous, and there was this funky, like, gamey flavor, um, and I was just like, this is probably pork snot, you know, coming, <laughs> oozing out of this nostril, and everything Ooh. was just really turning my stomach, Yeah. and and I, I was just feeling really not good, you know, I mean, not like I wanted to throw up or anything, but... It just didn't feel good and taste good, you know, so I just had to spit it out. Okay. It was just not pleasant. Yeah, that doesn't know? sound right. And it was, good. I think psychologically, it was, you know, really messing with me too. But then another time in Solvang at a smorgasbord, I had this cold curry cauliflower. Um, and I guess it's a, I don't know, Swedish? Is that the smorgasbord? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, and I mean, Solvang is like a, is a, it's like is a, a Dutch, it's a Dutch, Dutch town, but they have like yeah, Scandinavian very, things there. It's very touristy. It's yeah. all windmills and Yeah, whatnot. exactly. Yeah. It's a fun, you know, it's like a theme park. So we went to the smorgasbord and, and I got this, it was like a day glow yellow curry. Mm-hmm. It just looked too artificial, right? And then it was cold on top of that and it was super creamy. So it wasn't like a Thai curry or an Indian curry or any curries I'm you know, familiar with, or Japanese. Um, so, I don't know why, but it was just really repulsive to me. Part, partially because it was a cold cauliflower with this really creamy, 
sickly sweet curry. Okay. That whole combination just put me off. Right. And, I mean, it doesn't sound crazy. No, it doesn't. But, Sounds kind of good, yeah, But to me, I don't know why. I just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who, uh, you know, cooked and ate part of my wife's placenta. So I shouldn't be reacting that way, you know. I mean, I, I can handle stuff, you know. Yes. I mean, so cauliflower got me. It's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. So what would you be, what would be like a sort of a palate cleanser or stomach cleanser for you between meals or before you're about to go? Oh, out so that's easy. Soup plantation. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, uh, I love soup plantation. I love soup plantation too. I know. People think I'm joking, but I no, love soup No, I love it too. I love being able to choose yeah. what you want. Yeah. And I love that I can eat as much as I want and I won't feel like crap. Like mm-hmm. if you go to any other... All you can eat buffet, you know, you're, you're just going to go out there, leave the restaurant, and you're like, oh, God, why did I do that to myself? But at Soup Plantation, you don't really feel that way. It's all soups know? and salads. Yeah, it's all soups and, and salads. And frozen yogurt. Yeah. And you, pasta. Unless you're putting your mouth <laughs> under the frozen yogurt machine, yeah. and that's what you're binging on. But if you do it properly, you leave and you feel good. You yeah, know? you're right. And you're full and you yes. feel great. You don't feel like, you know. It's like a cafeteria. Yeah. It's very nice. It's really nice. So that's what I do. That's <laughs> okay. that's my kind of reset. You know, that's how I reset my palate and, and my, my belly. Well, you said you cook a little, that you're yeah. not, that you're no chef. But what, what do you cook and what do you Oh, like I, I love to do braises because I love super tender meats like that, like lamb shank and uh, oxtail and, uh, yeah, any kind of meat that requires braising and uh, roasting chicken. Um, I, I do omelets pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I like to grill Korean-style barbecue meat. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that. I don't really bake. You Did know. you always cook growing up? or? Yeah. Uh, I would watch my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I would help with pot sticker making mm-hmm. i'm sure you've done that yeah i did you know. that until she discovered that like the local asian supermarket came to town and that they had frozen ones and she was like this <laughs> is how it's gonna be from now on until eternity yeah. you know my, my mom actually um she tried the um frozen stuff and she went back to uh, making her own because, i wish my mom would because she was like i don't she, she doesn't like what they put in them because right. it's too fatty and everything so she she's very health conscious so she likes to put more vegetables in rather than meat. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and uh, the, I, well, the one thing she did, um, I guess, uh, stop doing is making her own dumpling wrappers. Because she used to roll out, oh, you know, from okay. dough. Wow, my mom never even did She that. used to roll out from yeah. dough these, these little balls and then flatten them. I mean, she would do the whole thing. She would, you know, scratch dumpling wrappers to the, you know, to the filling, everything. I mean, she was hardcore. So she now she buys the the pre-made wrappers at the store. Do your kids like to eat adventurously or Yeah. They yeah, do? yeah, they do. Um, when they were younger definitely more because they didn't know what they were eating. <laughs> I was like, eat this and they would eat it. It was awesome. But now they're like, "No, daddy, I don't want to eat that." You know, why? Well, you used to love fish eyeballs. You guys fought over fish eyeballs. All the time, you know. Good thing there were two. Right. <laughs> but now they're they're a little getting on the picky thing. Um, not too bad though. I mean, they'll still they'll still eat. You know, mostly what I 
cook for them or order this them. breezes yeah okay they love to they love to suck uh like the marrow you know yeah well, that's uh, you know, delicious they love that marrow yeah. and uh yeah stuff like that they love squishy slimy stuff which is cool i mean they're part asian so that's in their dna <laughs> 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 and what about your wife? Is she an adventurous eater as well? Or? Um, yeah, for the most part. I think she was trying to impress me when we were dating. Mm-hmm. And she would eat whatever I did. Even wow. if she didn't kind of enjoy it, she would still do it. Um, just because she knew I was so into it. And it wasn't until a few years later I, uh, I found out that she actually didn't particularly like eating a lot of that stuff. Um, so now, now she's on her own thing. She's like paleo something or another. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys all sort of just do your own thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's we, what, that's what me and Abe do most of the time too. Yeah. We do our own thing. vegetarian now. and I am not, <laughs> but when we go out to eat, it's funny because I will now because I'm a food blogger and I eat out, um, at so many restaurants that are providing the meal, um, a lot of the times I end up ordering vegetarian just because there's just so much left over and I don't want to waste it yeah. all for myself. But I know that can't be the case with you. Do you eat, do you, do you go to vegan places? And oh, I, that's funny. You just asked, you have to ask me that because, uh, I, uh, I went with, uh, Diane to, um, veggie grill. Oh, uh, just two days ago. Oh, I think I might've seen her picture yeah. of Diane takes a bite. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, no, no, not Diane takes a bite. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, uh, Diane is, uh, my wife or actually she's, oh, my, oh, okay, okay. she's my ex-wife, but, uh, okay, but okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, we went to veggie grill. Okay. Then I did not see that picture. And, uh, Diane take a bite, takes a bite, went and got, had, uh, had kale sale, salad, but oh, go on. Oh, really? Continue. She just yes. ordered kale salad? I think she, I think she likes oh, kale salad. Oh my God. I had, I had this, um, Basically, it was a fried chicken plate. Like oh, a, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess it was the tempeh, or I don't know what they used. They use soy. They use soy. Okay, yeah. so it's a soy, uh, kind of a, this, basically like a, like a, like a chicken, fl- yeah, cutlet, like a cutlet, right, with this awesome gravy, mm-hmm. and they the mashed potato was actually a combination of uh, mashed cauliflower with oh. potato. It so was, your cauliflower was redeemed. Yes, <laughs> yes, totally. Um, the gravy was amazing, and and then also this uh, kind of lightly sautéed kale with this great vinaigrette, um, sesame sauce. I think it was, but it was so satisfying. Mm-hmm. I've I. If it kind of, it was an experience like meat, you know, because it was so hearty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, God, I was, I was won over. That was my first time at Veggie Grill. So oh, I, I love I, it. I've been going there for for years. I love it. Then actually, the co-founders are really amazing people that you, I feel, should meet. Oh yeah. But um, we can talk about that off. Okay. <laughs> Off the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I never thought about that. If you are as adventurous as you are with meat, then you must be willing to eat all sorts of chemical, weird, yeah. <laughs> processed foods. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I think like, okay, that, so so when you, when people say weird or, or bizarre or whatever, it's all relative, right? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, one man's yuck is another man's yum. Absolutely. Right? Um, so... Even stuff like, okay, so we, we live in L.A., 
And LA does not count for the rest of the country because we experiment with food like crazy. Yeah, you're right, we do. So like for for most of the rest of the country, what we do here is just like just out there, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to keep that in mind when I write about weird food. And, I, and I'll have people say, like Filipinos will say, oh, balut's not weird. Well, yeah, balut, duck fetus is not weird to you because you grew up on it. But duck fetus is pretty strange to most of the rest of the world, yes, right? I think so. Right? But so I can't win because I have like these Filipino people saying, well, that's not weird. Like, yeah, yeah, not to you. Yeah. But I remind everyone that not everything is weird to everyone, right? So that said, you know, raw vegan is pretty strange. Yeah, you're right. It's a pretty strange thing. It is. Dehydrated food. Yeah, you can't heat it to a certain level because it's not really, you're not really supposed to cook anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I took a raw vegan class at Matthew Matthew Kenny's and and at his make uh, restaurant. And I just thought it was so fascinating, everything he does there. I mean, he's an artist for one. He's just, his food is just so beautiful. But he's a scientist too, mm-hmm. you know, and I love how intricate and well thought out everything is. And it's everything's so full of nutrients. They really emphasize all the nutrient dense um, dishes that they, they put together. And it was one of the most fascinating um, learning experiences with food I've ever had, you know. So I share that kind of thing with, with my readers too. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's so unique still. I think raw vegan foods are still pretty new in the scheme of, you know, culinary arts. Yeah, absolutely. Would would you, aside from make, would you recommend any other, what would be your top five, just off the top of your head, places that you would recommend for a person to eat uh, that wanted to sort of break out of their normal mundane uh, diet, but that wouldn't be like, you know, going to eat guinea pig you know, like, like not like jumping off the deep end here right but. well i mean you can go, uh i guess my one one of those picks would be to go to any dim sum mm-hmm. serving because they have plenty of really yummy normal dishes you know the shrimp dumplings the pork dumplings but then if you wanted to you could try jellyfish mm-hmm. you know which isn't too crazy i mean the idea of it is nuts but once you see it and once you taste yeah, it, you're it's, right. it's pretty I've, tame. I've had t- jellyfish. I mean, I've never actually, I'm realizing, I've never actually eaten jellyfish, but it's been on the table in front yeah. of me a lot. And it's more, it, when you eat it, like if someone didn't tell you what it was, it, it, A, it doesn't look like jellyfish. Yeah. It looks like a vegetable. Yeah, and then right. when you eat it, it's also very vegetal. It's like this, it's almost like a crispy, um, like a marinated radish or something, yeah. you know, it's kind of like that. It's almost like, like, like a Korean, uh, you know, banchan, like one of those side vegetable dishes, you yeah. know, that's, it's, it's not like if, if no one told you what it was, you would think it was a vegetable. And then I, I would also go to like any number of taquerias around town and orders, don't order carne asada or carnitas or, you know, chicken or whatever, get something I don't know, like tongue. Beef tongue. Beef tongue. Okay. And you'll find it, it's not yucky or slimy. It's actually a really nice, firm, tender, you know, it's, it's, the, 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 the muscle fibers are more concentrated. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting texture, but it's, it's great. 
you know. I had tongue for the first time at the Gorbals. That was some good stuff. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I know. It was like the best dish I had had yeah. um, the entire evening. Yeah. A chef who knows how to uh, work with tongue is just like, you know, they can really make something awesome with it. And, you know, um, there are other places that maybe aren't um, little ethnic places. Like, you know, go to gastropubs for, you know, great pig stuff. Like, um, there's this new place called Church Key mm -hmm. that just opened on Sunset Boulevard. And they have this bar snack. Yes. It's pig-eared Cheetos. Oh, that it's could be delicious, awesome. actually. Yeah. What they do is they, it's like a several, it's like a really complicated thing to do, but I guess they do this huge batch of pig ears, like this in strips. Yeah. They cut them into strips, really small strips, and I don't know, they like, you know, brine them and, you know, dehydrate them and they, they fry them. I mean, it's like a several thing process. I really don't know the exact recipe. And then they make this, cheesy powder mm -hmm. that they fry they roll you know they toss it around in and so it sticks on and it's crunchy like those crunchy cheetos not the cheesy poofs right like the crunchy oh yeah the those, crunchy those cheetos. are the those are yeah. my preference personally so, okay so they have that they nailed that cheese powder by the way they uh -huh. really nailed that flavor and the, and the texture color? and the color mm -hmm. it's really bright orange and because it's the fried pig ear strips you get that crunch you know you get that interesting crunch and um it's just the most creative bar snack i've seen in a long time if the atkins craze was still huge those would sell like yeah yeah <laughs> i think this will still do pretty well yeah. um they just have to you know people just have to get past the pig ear part but i i i'm Obviously, I'm attracted to it I, because so of the So far, everything you've named, I'm like, oh, I'll try that. <laughs> I could try that. I could try that. A tarantula, a guinea pig. I'm not <laughs> positive that I'd be like, yes. <laughs> that is what I'm going to choose to eat tonight. Um, I do have a question. I know you didn't get to all five, but you don't have to. Um, <laughs> where do you get good Chinese snails? That's something I grew up on and I haven't had since I was a kid. I haven't had... Chinese snails in a long time either. Yeah. So I don't know. They don't I mean, do that anymore, maybe? I guess not. I mean, the the most recent time I had Chinese snails was in China. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was in Shanghai, so that was a while ago. But I know there are um, Chinese seafood restaurants that have snails in the tank. Okay. Um, I can't really name one off the top of my head, but they're, they're still around. It's just, you know, um, they're not as prevalent. As before. Yeah. I remember, I don't remember them being filling, but I remember them being just really fun. Yeah. Like something to do while I was like sitting at the table waiting yeah. for everyone else to finish their meal. Right. Um, I love snails. Yeah, they yeah. were they were very chewy. <laughs> they were a challenge. They were a challenge to suck out. Yeah, remember, like my, I, I feel like my, br I can still feel like how hard I was like putting effort <laughs> into and my brain would hurt. My, my mom, like always, uh, she introduced me to my first snail dish. Mm -hmm. She just cooked it at home. And that's the other funny thing. Like, my first um, exotic meal uh, was my mom mm -hmm. when I was six, and she steamed pig brains, and um, she wouldn't tell us what it is. She was very secretive about it. And um, and she put it in front of us, my, my, my younger brother and I, and it was this 
brain. This like she didn't try to disguise it. She didn't chop it up. She didn't put it in dumplings. She didn't do anything to hide it. It was like she just put on a plate this brain. She drizzled it with sesame oil and soy sauce and said, eat it. <laughs> and that was our lunch. Yeah. And we cried. Both of us burst into tears and we were crying. We're like, no, ma, no, ma, don't make us eat it. And she's like, eat it. If you don't eat it, you don't get to watch Speed Racer. And then we're like, oh, that's a threat. That's a serious <laughs> threat when you're six years old. So through tears and one hour of sobbing, we finally finished that pig brain. Mm-hmm. And, and during some point of that meal, I realized it was actually really good. Did you have it with rice or anything? Or? No, it was oh, just the brain. Just straight up it brain. It was just the brain, yeah. Holy moly. Wow. And, and that was the beginning of all of this crazy food eating. That was, that was ground zero. Wow. That's where it started. I, it was so traumatic that I remember it super clearly. It was so traumatic. Like I said, I was crying the, the, throughout, yeah. throughout the entire hour it took to eat that pig brain. Is your brother... Like, yeah. Is he oh yeah. He's had. Like... He's actually had weirder stuff than me. He just really? doesn't write about it. He li- is... he lives in China. Okay. He li- so he has access to all kinds of stuff. Like he's eaten dog, and I haven't yet. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's one of the big things I haven't had. Wow. And he's eaten it, and he's eaten way more crazy stuff than I have. How do you mentally prepare yourself? Uh, I I don't. I just uh, I just get excited. I okay. mean, I'm just like. There's nothing that you're like. Okay. Well. Wow, okay. Wow, I have wow. to take. I have to take that back, maybe, because uh, the re- most recent Kamikaze Kitchen episode, um, uh, one of the side things we did was to do a shot of liquor made uh, with, um, well, marinated with a baby mice. So it was like this, what? I'm telling you, it was like this freaking, uh, you know, What's that stuff you remove paint with, like paint thinner? I mean, yeah. it, it was like really bad, like super strong moonshine. Yeah. With baby mice float up, sitting at the very bottom of the glass. <laughs> and 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 so oh, the, the the thing is that the thing was it wasn't just drinking this. Like, we were offered one of the baby mice no. to shoot with, and they're hairless, they're tiny, oh. they're totally white. And they've been sitting in this thing for I don't know months, years. You know, they're sitting there. It looks it looks like something from a, you know, Hannibal Lecter's laboratory or something. You know, it's like this bottle of little creatures. So my co-host Valentino was ballsy enough to actually eat one, and he doesn't just shoot it; he's chewing on it, and I couldn't handle it. Yeah, I just I was like, I can't do that. I just can't, I just wasn't in the mood, you know, to do it. But I did do a shot. Uh-huh. And even the shot. It tasted like mouse. The shot, it tasted, here's what it tastes like. It tasted like really cheap bologna. Oh, that's not so bad. I like bologna. Yeah, really cheap bologna. But really cheap bologna. Okay, okay. Yeah. But I don't think I'd like it in liquid form. And and when I, oh. like, after I did the shot and uh, and I... I I burped a little, and I was like, I burped up baby mouse. Oh, no, 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 no. The bologna flavor? No, And I was like, oh, my God, I just burped up baby mouse. That is so disgusting. It was so, I was so freaked out. I just like, 
It was way too much. That's that is crazy. Like Valentino was was Valentino was burping up Baby Mouse all day after that because he actually ate one. And was he like awesome? No, he was like he was like yeah, it's pretty freaking mouse. Yeah, he's like he's like it's coming up on me now. He's like I can I can yeah. He kept on burping that flavor and he was just like oh. It was just so Man. disgusting. Well, let's let's not end on a <laughs> on a disgusting note. Let's end on a delicious one. Please tell me something that you crave that um, you feel like you could pro- if if all of these exotic meats disappeared from the earth that you feel like you could subsist on. Oh, it has to be some kind of noodle dish like the ramen at. Um... Uh, Tsuchida, LA, and on Sautel. Yeah. Is that the one with the very long line? Yeah. Okay. On Sautel. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one where you have to go if you're a ramen head. Okay. Um, uh, the Tsuchida Annex, that's the newest one. Um, they do this pork bone broth that the broth, this is, it's mind boggling. They simmer it for. I think it's 60 hours. So 60 hours, what happens to it is the bone completely disintegrates into the broth. Holy cow. And they just, they kind of skim it a little bit. Uh It's, you see globules of fat and it's so delicious. I mean, it just coats your tongue, this delicious pork broth. You can taste the bone. Uh Uh-huh. If you ever kind of nod on pork bone. Yeah. There's a certain flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's in... It's in that, uh, in the broth itself. And the noodles are just so nice. And, and they're a little thicker. They're almost like an udon thickness, but not quite. Mm-hmm. So there's these really beautiful, slurpable, you know. And they, they put some uh, uh, pork chasu, I think, uh, on it. And it's just the most satisfying bowl of ramen. And... I probably could eat that for a very long time, you know. It's just so good and flavorful and substantial, yeah. you know. That sounds really, <laughs> really good, especially as we're coming on the colder months. Yes. So that will have to happen. Or I could do hot pot every night, hua guo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I could do Chinese hot pot because there's just so much variety. There is. There's vegetables and there's... You could put anything in hot pot as long as I have my... Sata uh, sauce was the Chinese barbecue sauce. Uh-huh. Is there a particular brand you like, or do you make your own? Uh, I, I God, I can't think of a brand, um, but um, you know whatever is on sale at ninety nine ranch. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that sauce. I could I could dip a shoe in that sauce, and, and it would be awesome. Just yeah, it's just an amazing sauce. Um, we we can end here, but I did want to ask. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it. If you're not, we won't. I will cut off the interview here. Are we allowed to talk about the taste? Uh, season two or season one? Well, either, whatever you season want. Season one we can talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah, because season two hasn't aired yet. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> but can you talk about your role on the taste yeah. and, yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. what that's like? Yeah. Uh, so for uh, the taste, season one and two, I, I was the uh, food expert during the auditions mm-hmm. so it's funny I, I i didn't know what to call myself so i was like i was like i said i'm the casting judge you are but then i got a, a director from abc saying you can't call yourself a judge because you're not you know a judge even though i am you know judging them yeah 
Um, they were like, uh, call yourself a uh, food expert or tasting expert. Um, because they, they actually do have the judges on the show. So it, ABC just felt it might have been confusing. Uh-huh. You know? um, and, um, and it was because when I tweeted that, all of a sudden there were write-ups saying, is Eddie Lynn the next, you know, will be taking a seat next to Anthony Bourdain oh, okay. and Nigella Lawson. Okay. So, so there were these rumors happening. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not even famous enough to have rumors, you know. <laughs> and, and there was these rumors happening. So, um, so I'm, I'm the food expert. And my job uh, was to go to these auditions held around the country. Uh, there was L.A., uh, Chicago, New York, and this year Nashville was a new edition. Um, and um, th- these are a combination of open call when anyone just shows up with their dishes, dish, their best, um, or they are uh, scheduled auditions with, mm-hmm. with, you know, more professional chefs who don't have a lot of time, you know, to wait in an open call line. Absolutely, yeah. So we have scheduled auditions for, for them on different days. And um, so, you know, I, I basically uh, show up um, and I have a way to prepare. I, I drink a lot of liquids like water mm-hmm. to keep my stomach expanded because uh, I don't know how many people are going to show up. Right. Um, typically we have hundreds show up and uh, depending on where we are we we could have anywhere from two judges or two experts to maybe uh, eight experts Um, and then uh, the casting department starts to file them in and they plate they have a certain amount of time to plate Uh, it's almost kind of like the show you know you got you, you have to kind of beat the clock you gotta and then you can't touch your plate anymore. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of getting them ready with, for that, you know, experience. See how they, exp- they can handle right. the pressure. Yeah. Exactly. So they, they have like, uh, I, I don't know what it is, like um, a minute or five minutes. I can't remember exactly. Um, so then after that, I come by and I uh, taste their food and I ask them how they prepared it, what ingredients... Um, and this is so, uh, I, I also ask questions to determine whether they actually cooked it because, you know, there's some people who can be sneaky and, and, you know, I mean, you could conceivably just go to a really nice restaurant, order something to go and plate it and I would be blown away or not depending on what it was. Um, and so I ask them questions on how they prepare and I get an idea whether they could have actually cook that dish mm-hmm. um so i have to have some kind of working knowledge about you know cooking and and different dishes so in that way it's good that they hired a food writer who's exposed to a lot of different foods especially me because i i don't just go to you know certain types of restaurants i go to every single kind yeah. you know and i eat all levels of cuisine right so Therefore, you know, I, I understand a broad, you know, range of cuisine and technique. Um, and so that's pretty much what I do. And then I, I score them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's like six to eight categories, you know, ranging from appearance to taste and, you know, expertise and technique, whatever. 
um, you know, just the basic stuff. And then from there, if they get good enough scores, um, uh, casting will interview them. Okay. Yeah, and they actually they, they interview everyone, mm-hmm. um, but we we combination of their um, interview and and I don't know if they rate them, but they'll interview them and they'll look at my scores and then they have some kind of calculus where they'll decide they move on for a, a callback. Right. Uh, and um, and then that's as far as I go during the the audition process. So for season one. Did you find that people you rated highly did well? Or we oh, yeah, them? yeah. In fact, um, uh, in New York, um, I mean, New York tends to have the best chefs and cooks and stuff, obviously, because it's New York. Um, I remember the very first guy I auditioned at the, uh, it was the scheduled audition, and it was uh, in my uh, hotel I was staying at, and we had a room. That we where we set up the audition room, and the very first guy was uh, this young chef uh, named Greg Druszynski, and he he he, uh, he has this really extensive you know classically trained French you know cooking, um, and he worked uh, um, at Le Bernardin, mm-hmm. uh, you know very like one of the top French restaurants in New York. And um, he, I remember he did this really elegant, um, modern uh, kind of reworking of pho, mm-hmm. but it was with foie gras. So oh. he called it, uh, he called it uh, pho gras, right? Yeah. And there was foie in there. And I remember at the time, foie gras was banned in L.A. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Yum! Thank you, but it was one of the most exquisite dishes I had dur- during the entire audition process uh, for season one, and I gave him perfect scores, and he ended up on the show and almost winning. In fact, he was the guy to beat. You know how there's that one yeah. person to beat. Yeah. He ended up being that guy to beat, and of course, reality television being reality television, he didn't win. Uh-oh. Because everyone wanted to beat him. Yeah. You know? And there were all kinds of other things. Um, but uh, but he he was the guy. And, and I was so proud that I picked him. Yeah. You know? And he made it that far. You know? And in fact, when I went to New York to do season two auditions, I went to visit him at his new restaurant um, uh, near Madison Avenue uh, over there. So it was, uh, it was cool to, you know, hang out with him a little bit. What a dream job! Yeah, it's a, it's fun. It's, I mean, yeah. that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it is amazing and it's grueling. You know, like yeah. you really have to uh, know how to pace yourself, obviously. And and I try to be really fair. It's like days in a row, also, right? Yeah, days in a row. Yeah. Like in New York, I was there for four days, I think. Um, four days in a row of not counting travel days, you know. So uh, four four days in a row of actual auditions. Um, but the thing is, uh, um, I, you know, want to be completely fair with everyone. So I'm not one of those experts. There are some of those experts who don't taste everything, Mm. you know, they kind of look at it and we're not, we're not, 
expect it to taste everything either. They don't expect it. Like if something doesn't look edible, right. if something looks wrong with it or smells funny or whatever, they're not going to say, no, you have to taste it, obviously, you know, because right. we can get sick and that, they don't want that. Yeah. Um, so, but I taste everything. You know, I, I just, I, I know how important it is for some of these uh, hopefuls mm-hmm. when they show up with their little thermos in a ther- thermos container and, and uh, their ice chest and their, all their hopes and dreams yeah. are in that thermos or that, or that, you know, ice chest and, you know, they're, they're looking at me, you know, and, 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 and just hoping that I love their dish. And the least I can do is to taste it. Yeah. I yeah, can't Yeah, it's like if I go to an audition it. and they're like, I'm sorry, we know you prepare the scene, but go home. Yeah. Which has happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they've already cast the person. Um, that is heartbreaking. Yeah. So, you know, and you're an actor, so you're kind of used to that, you know. Rejection. Kind of rejection. Yeah. But these people aren't used to that. Yeah, I know you're right. You know, they just, they're, they're home cooks. They're like moms and they're like grandmas and they're like frustrated accountants, you know, who always wanted to be a chef or something. And they're showing up with their their just their perfect dish that they think is perfect. And if I'm going to look at it and ask them a bunch of questions and then just walk on, that would be heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, I could not do that to anyone. Yeah. So I kind of torture myself and try every little bite and I, <laughs> and I pay for it in the end. But, but I take it seriously. Well... Thank you so much for taking the time because this was awesome. I oh, you're really welcome. like to hear all of, you have such an interesting life. Such a, you're like a blogger on steroids. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I, I love doing this, you know. I mean, sometimes I get a little lazy, but, uh, or I'm just hungover. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>